0: All right. Last week, we covered another three words. I think, in uh, Genesis chapter one, um, we looked at dominion and stewardship. Uh, you know, good dominion, good stewardship, uh, lifting high beauty, lifting high order, lifting high productivity. That is what we would expect to see from. People who are being good stewards uh, of this planet that God has given to us. The critters and one another. Uh, We also looked at what bad stewardship would entail. Waste, squalor, filth, ugliness. uh, Running in the streets. Uh, We would see also bad stewardship where... stewards begin to raise their stewardship to the level of a god. As the earth becomes a god, as the creatures become equal to man. We also opened up the gender binary what we used to refer to as male and female. Um, And Personal autonomy is being raised to, again, the level of God. I am whatever I deem myself to be. And we go, you're not a duck. I don't care if you believe you're a duck, you're not a duck. We used to call that a mental illness, if somebody felt that way. And the whole job of humanity was to bring the person into correspondence with reality Okay, that is called ontology, reality, understanding the way things really are. And so we understand that God created male and female. We also understand, though we haven't gotten there yet, that there was a fall and that there is a brokenness. And if that there can be a brokenness, in a birth in the deformity of an arm, or a child born without eyes, or any of those things, that if because of the fall I can be broken in body, I already know, based on God's word, that I was conceived in sin. And so that my spirit is likely to be broken, no it is going to be broken, from the womb is why little ones have to be trained and disciplined otherwise they're going to be little bitty nightmares but that brokenness isn't going to be confined necessarily to pride and that the world orbits around me but a struggle perhaps with their identity what am i really who am i Um, male or female. I go, I don't feel like a guy. And you you go, I can understand that. Okay, I may never struggle with that, but when I'm speaking to somebody, I know my own brokenness. And so I go, I can get that. I I can comprehend and I can fathom that. And so we as Christians, we have in truth really the only answer. Because what the world is going to do is it's going to, be an encourage, it's going to encourage you to embrace the feeling, you know, to run with that, to, to, to follow it, to pursue it even harder. And all that's going to do is it's going to widen the chasm in their soul between the reality and what they are pursuing. What that does is it drives them further from the living God as they follow hard after their feeling. If I were to, if were I to struggle as, you know, I'm thinking myself to be a woman, the more I pursued femininity and being a woman in my own life, the greater the dysphoria within myself Why? Because I'm running further and further from reality. Which is why, not because Christians say it's wrong, is the suicide rate so high amongst people who consider themselves transgendered. I would argue that it is this inner conflict between the reality and what they are pursuing. So the world is going to push us toward that and they're going to actually blame us for the conflict oftentimes that a transgender person is going to face. And so our exhortation to somebody struggling with that is to truly embrace the reality What is the reality? That I am a dude. I'm a guy. I mean, I can't change that. We talked about how physiologically every cell and every organ in my body is that way. I have a male heart. I have male kidneys. Go.
1: How would you respond to the uh, other side that would say that... someone who has multiple male and female parts. Okay, that's, that, uh, that is... Physically, let me finish the point from the other side, which is that if, if there is a disordering at the physical level, would there not also be a disordering at the mental or spiritual level? And is there is there not... Is there... Would, is it right to deny... It seems like, uh, speaking from the other side, that that you're denying that there is a disordering at the physical or we should not let them embrace where they think they should be to try to reaffirm or tr- transition toward what should be a right alignment.
0: I argued just now that there is a dis- disordering at the spiritual level and a disordering at sometimes the physical level. And we talked about the disordering at the physical level is such a small 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 percentage of individuals. So let's let's dismiss that. Because that, that's a real struggle and a real problem. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on any parent on how I am going to raise that child. Okay? And man, that, that's going to require a lot of care and wisdom. But for somebody struggling, let's, let's say that I am born deformed. What are we going to do? We are going to try and bring that order back to reality. If somebody is born deaf, uh, a friend of mine adopted a little boy from China who's born deaf. They have given him cochlear implants to help him hear what he can. Okay? And if he, if he is completely stone deaf, as my brother is, then we are going to try to communicate with him, since we can't heal that, with sign language. We're going to learn a language that he does know. Um, a cleft lip or cleft palate. We're not gonna leave that wide open. We are going to try and restore it to how it should be. Okay, and every cell in their body explains to them how they should be. That is the reality. My feelings, feelings are fickle things. They are fickle things. And they ebb and flow with times of life, seasons of life. They can ebb and flow with time of day. And so to make such drastic moves based on a feeling is a wretchedly dangerous situation, especially when it conflicts with reality. So we were just summing up last week as opposed to reengaging this and the exhortation to embrace the reality and turn to the creator who created them. Who created them. And to pursue, and it may, it may be conflict, and it may be hard, but that's life. I mean, life is difficult with whatever burdens we have in this world really under the sun. Um, this took us, and, and this is, man, again, these... The, the issues that we, and that's why we're doing Genesis chapter 1, uh, is to give us this foundation here at this time. Because those types of questions that Joseph brought up are out there. And I have to be able to appeal back to, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. And as far as winning the argument, I may never win the argument. But I have to put the truth out there with grace and go, let God, let God win the argument of the reality that he has created. Um, So we are in verse 28 right now. Um, Tracy, would you read uh, chapter 1, verse 28, please? And
2: God blessed them, and God said to them, of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth.
0: God bless them. What's that mean? What did he do? Pixies. Oh.
1: <laughs> I can fly. <laughs> I mean a multitude of things. Okay. Word, one, Go ahead. one of the more misapplied words in Christian use, I believe. So, bless you. Trying to. Uh, oh, bless uh, my soul! I was blessed with a million dollar last month. Uh, so, so it's good to try to understand. Like, what does the word
0: "blessed" mean? <laughs> happy. Happy. It means happy. God happy them.
1: That makes sense. <laughs> so bless the Lord O my soul, all of us within me bless His really blesses, holy name.
0: Happy the Lord. Express favor to the Lord. God expressed favor to us. God's happiness was upon us. God's joy and delight was extended to His creation. Um, he, God, celebrated them, um, extended His favor upon them. That's how I would. See that here.
1: It is part of that scene that, that blessed them. Goes on with the lineage of be fruitful and multiply. So could it be also endowed them with procreate? Do these things that I I'm telling you to do? Is that part of the blessing, or is this separate from the blessing?
0: I don't know that you can separate it completely. But it seems distinct. God bless them, and then He commanded to them. You know, as as part of an overflow of the creation is we have things to do. We, you know, of my in my love relationship in my exaltation in God, it, it doesn't just stay as a time of joy and ecstasy. It moves me then to. Other things. That joy and delight in the living God impels me out to serve in my church, to love all my family, to go into the world and be salt and light in the world. And we move to his commandment to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. To be fruitful. One of the primary functions of the male-female relationship is... Babies. It's making babies. What is required to make a baby... A man and a woman prior to the gymnastics of the 21st century. Okay? A man and a woman. We're, we're going to talk about marriage here and in a, you know homosexual relationships as we get into chapter two and essentially Adam and Eve, and the two shall be one flesh. So we're going to talk about that issue a little bit later. Procreation. A man and a woman. What about surrogacy? What is surrogacy?
1: Something celebrities do so their bodies don't get messed up with pregnancy. Wow. Man <laughs> way I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> is manned <laughs> way so right. you're not right. lying?
0: Okay. <laughs> <different laughs> manner than what's gone kind of Okay. Person. What is it?
2: It's when somebody else carries the baby for another
0: person. Okay. Modern science, again, this is something, again, when I was a kid, it it was the stuff of Isaac Asimov, you know, Star Trek, maybe, okay, it is when a man's seed is implanted into a, a woman and the child is raised there. I mean, if if Stephanie was sterile, David was not, they could hire another woman and David's seed would be implanted in her. She conceives, great, wonderful. Uh, it, It may even be that for whatever reason Stephanie's eggs are okay and so they're extracted but for whatever reason her womb could not support that so Conceive the child and grow it in, a, in another woman. What's the problem with that? Okay, it is out of the... And people go, you're, you're just rednecks. You just don't like science and technology. You're anti-science. What
2: would
0: you say? For whom? The woman carrying the baby. The woman carrying the baby. That happens a lot. (coughs) Can
1: you explain that to the people like me in the room? Men (laughs) mothering mother instincts. You
2: carry this baby for nine months. It is your baby. I mean that's that is the feeling that becomes Your reality is that it is your child. You from so this child can be. That's harmful to the surrogate mother.
1: Can be postpartum yes, depression.
0: God intended for a child to be conceived by a man and a woman. What would be unique about that child then? Yes. Yes. It is a, there is, and I, you know, you can get into all the genetics of, you know, what what traits are, have dominance and dominant genes and stuff and that whole thing. Uh, But the genetic material of the man and the genetic material of the woman combine to create a new life from them okay how significant is this fertilized egg It's
2: a person huh person life so what
0: one flesh what why is that It is an image bearer of the living God. So this vehicle that God has chosen, this relationship between a husband and wife, this one fleshedness that we'll get to in chapter two, God tells them to procreate. And it is this vehicle, this union here, where God takes part of the man and part of the woman, and creates another little image bearer. He takes two image bearers and uses them to create that image bearer. The vehicle that he uses is the one-fleshedness of a man and a woman. Okay? Surrogacy just turns that on its head. My husband's seed is now united with another woman's seed. Okay. Or vice versa. Well it was done in a lab. It wasn't you know, they weren't intimate. Okay. I mean the the ethical the ethical questions are like ah whatever. You know, we, we can do it, so we will.
1: I think the only ethical questions revolve around the consensual relationship of the surrogate
0: and the two yep. people. consent, content. That's, as uh, well, everybody's okay with it. That's fine.
2: But the problem is that a lot of times the surrogate mom is okay with it in the beginning until she's carried that baby for nine months, and then it's a different story.
0: Yeah. Problems. There's, there's, this is not, again, this is all 21st century stuff. When we were, when, when we were kids, this was not a thing. This was, this was not a thing. And everyone's growing up now going, eh, that's just normal. Well, we can't conceive. We're not conceiving. We can't conceive, we're not conceiving, we're not conceiving, we're not conceiving. Let's try in vitro. Okay, this is just our stuff. Our stuff. Man and woman. Our her eggs, my seed, okay. And we're gonna do in vitro.
1: No, well, I mean. I think guarantee one egg is <coughs> in the test it's tube and not a multitude that have a chance of being fertilized and then chucking out the ones you don't want. It's not always one. Many of the concerns you're raising would appear to not be an issue as far as the, the uniqueness of the DNA. Yep, and the yep. Version, you're so right. A lot of people would put two thumbs up to IVF. Okay.
0: And then the problem becomes... <laughs> You don't fertilize one egg. Usually. And you
2: don't
0: implant just one egg either. Well, the, I mean, can. that's that's a na- normal, natural thing. Where, you know, sometimes a woman will ovulate, and that's how twins and triplets in the body, you know. And I heard I heard a story. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll get to that here in just a minute. But what happens with all of these leftover... Fertilized eggs is what?
2: You don't know.
0: Okay, a lot of times what happens on the good side?
1: They're frozen.
0: They're frozen. Yeah, which
1: could <laughs> <be indefinite,
0: laughs> but... Okay, but like stuff in your freezer, it's going to go bad after a certain amount of time anyway. I, I, I don't know, maybe cryogenics. I, So that's, on the good side, maybe. On the bad side, what happens to these fertilized eggs? They're disposed of. They're very clinical. Yes, they're killed. They're killed. Either incinerated or whatever. They're destroyed. Life is destroyed. I have heard, and that was the thing I was kind of alluding to. Christians adopting these fertilized eggs. Wow. I mean, what an act of love and heroism to go, I am going to adopt five of these eggs. And I want you to try and implant them in my womb. And I will take, you know, if I get quints, praise God, I get quints. If I get trips, great, I get trips. If none of them take, at least we try. There are people doing that. They're called snowflake babies. Um, You can Google that.
1: Snowflake?
0: Snowflake babies, yeah.
1: How is that different than surrogacy?
0: Because the child is already conceived. It's like adoption. You're adopting that child. Because it is, it is a child. It and is it's con- the
2: eggs that would otherwise be destroyed. They're
1: trying to restore okay. the life because the, the life was already created at conception or at fertilization, I guess. Yeah. And surrogacy, they're saying that the surrogate mom, surrogate mom, is struggling with the separation. But if you would then adopt and then care for them, then that wouldn't be an issue. If you would then raise.
0: But again, man, fifty years ago, what? What kind of what kind of bizarre Brave New World is this? Again, we've developed technologies, and we just go, well, let's do it, and we don't think about at least at least Christians. We need to think about and and philosophize about how does that fit within God's design. So that when I have a couple in my church who is struggling with this, I can give them wise counsel. So they don't go down a path that brings them heartache. Under the sun. You know what? We're, we're going to get into this just a little bit more with regard to multiplying. But we've gotten to the point where, you know, having babies is just a thing. It's just a thing. Just a thing we do. As opposed to part of the relationship. Hey, you ready? Should we, should we have kids now? And, you know, we did that. We did that. You know, it's almost normal now, as opposed to going, well, when do we want to start having kids? As opposed to in days of yore, where, well, guess we're having a kid because, apart from timed family planning, you were in the natural relationship between a man and woman. You were going to have kids. How many were you going to have? I don't know until we stopped having them. These are image bearers. And the union between a man and a woman is God's vehicle to bring about other image bearers. And God says, Go do it. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. And multiply. So let's, let's look at multiplying here a little bit. He says, Multiply and fill the earth, which immediately in our day and age throws up the question what? What an overpopulation. Okay, again, that was not a thing until about the 60s. Uh, A guy named Paul Ehrlich wrote a book called The Population Bomb. Paul Ehrlich stated that because of the growing population in the earth within 20 years, there would be mass starvations all over the planet because of the parasite that is man on the earth. Stanford University. Well, the last half of the 20th century brought an unprecedented food production around the world. There is not mass starvation. Population of the world has continued to grow. But because of the ideas of Paul Ehrlich, That caught on in places like China, China India. India, Japan.
2: So America, those,
1: those, those ideas were not.
0: Not this idea of over oh, overpopulating the world. Now there are places in the on the on the earth that are densely populated. I was looking at the The comparison of population, for example, to Europe and the United States. And Europe is is about twice as densely populated as the United States is. And still there's plenty of room in Europe for life and people to be spread out. It's not like they're... Okay. But because because of the consequences of Paul Ehrlich's overpopulation, we're going to have mass starvation. China's got the one-child policy, 40 million more men than women. Not one nation in the Western world, no longer the United States either, has a reproductive rate among parents that will continue the population. Populations are going... Like this of indigenous persons. In Japan, you have way more old people than you do young people to take care of the old people. You are not going to be able to sustain the populations the way they are. You need 2.11 children per couple to sustain the population, and the birth rates in like Japan are like 1.1. Have they connected it to
1: the. That idea of over overpopulation. That is where
0: it is. It is at that time that that whole thing took root and went like that. Because it was in the seventies that the China's one-child policy came down. <clears throat> Children have become a thing to do. There's a guy named Mike Michael Matheson Miller. This is a quote. He was talking about how our culture looks at people. I want you to think of this in light of having children. And he's from the Acton Institute. He writes, We misunderstand the nature and dignity of the human person in society and the economy. One element of the anthropological fallacy I noted above in his article is to view people simply as consumers. You know and so this overpopulation, oh, they're just it's like mice blah blah, blah, blah blah, you know they're eating they're eating all the corn, okay, to view people simply as consumers, but people are not simply consumers, they are not simply burdens, people also are innovators and inventors and producers, but even if they are burdens, he goes on to say, it doesn't matter. The deepest anthropological fallacy that underlies population control theory is that it misses the dignity and destiny of the human person that goes far beyond what they can produce or consume. The quote quote continues, I'll continue it. But let me just stop for a moment. A Down syndrome child. He's going to have a bad life. What's he going to be able to do? It's going to be a Walmart reader? Is that it? Kill kill a child. So, most nations have pretty much eradicated down syndrome babies. Through what means? Abortion. Selective abortion. People he continues, people have value because they are, not for what they can produce A person's value is not limited to or defined by his or her utility. Economics is part of life, but it is not the all of life. People are more than statistics. They are mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, friends. The social engineer who advocates for population control sees persons simply as things or resources. Or statistics. But this is deep, but this deep falla- this is the deep fallacy that undermines the dignity of the person.
2: Is the man that wrote this a believer?
0: Probably. It wasn't a theological argument that he's writing. No,
1: he never
0: appeals to no. that. But... but that's exactly what he appeals to. He appeals to the Imago Dei, the image of God in man. When uh, was that written? recently. Uh, Acton Institute I didn't pull the full citation but I can call it right back up and Zorch back up. it was a great article
2: what's the Acton Institute?
0: it's a conservative think tank Yeah, you know, we have uh, we're on the back side of your sheet we, we've I mean it's just it's all about sex it's, it's the joy of sex it is the sexual revolution of the 60s you know, free love, baby. It has, that has become the main event.
1: It's primarily an end in itself, not
0: the child. Yeah, Even for Christians. Why don't we get married so we can finally sleep together? woo Okay, are you, you hoping to have a family? Because that's what sleeping together does. Maybe, maybe eventually. See, we've, we've. The sexual revolution has even pushed this be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, it's a thing. And so now in our culture, because it's merely an activity, we can have sex without marriage. Woohoo! Because there's no threat of having a kid. Why? Because we've got every kind of prevention. Modern science. Yeah, modern science. So we can do this thing. And that
2: avoids us foolproof.
0: Sex without marriage, marriage without children. And God's plan is <laughs> diminished. Be fruitful. And multiply. You know, no longer do people want to have kids. Hey, you know, maybe at some point, maybe when we're 35, 40, oh, because of overpopulation, we're not going to have kids. Okay. They're inconvenient. I mean, are kids Are kids inconvenient? Yes, absolutely. Kids, just, are, <laughs> kids are. Kids are. Kids are. Keep that say It
1: depends. It's twenty-one years since he got. What are you talking huh? about? It depends. Because I mean, if you're if you're engaged in that mindset that you're going to have children because you want to have children, then you know there's going to be trials. The joys of raising children? Depends on your lens. I think today, for our generation, our addiction to entertainment and. uh, Me.
0: Me. Me time.
1: (coughs) Go talk to the Pregnancy Help Center and the abortion clinics and ask that question. Yes is almost across the board.
0: Kids are inconvenient. Yeah. I gotta get my education. I gotta get a job. I gotta, 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 gotta. daycare okay praise God for daycare because some women have to work because why? because the husband's ditched her inconvenient (coughs) God's intention based on Genesis chapter 1 is for a man and woman to bring forth children and the family is to rule and reign on God's creative realm boom what place the single?
1: The single person.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, abnormal. Freaks. Mm-hmm.
2: Actually, I was gonna say for the, yeah, the sexual revolution. That's why, pure singles are literally freaks now. <laughs> you are freaking weirdo.
0: Because you can be, you can be single and,
2: <laughs>
0: you know, having all kinds of uh, nightlife. Out there? Yeah.
2: So I'm basically...
0: Is being single contrary to God's design and plan? No. Yes. Before the fall, yes. Well, the New
2: Testament I mean,
1: looks at singleness with a gift.
0: Yes! Yes, nowhere, nowhere in Scripture do you get the hint that this is sick. You don't get that. And I mean, pure logic goes in towns and communities, there are going to be more girls than boys, and so not everybody's going to be able to marry. There more girls than boys? Statistically. Boys. Statistically yeah. I mean, yeah, if, if you look across the board, it's pretty close to boys and girls being born about the same rate. But you know, if I've heard it,
1: there's more women in the country than the US. If it's if it's our
0: family, <laughs> dude, all we make is boys. So so uh, and then there's some It's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean from a logical perspective you can imagine that there are communities that have disorder you know, disordinate number of males and females and you go, oh, they're not they can go to another town and look, but whatever. Uh, so it can be from a point of logic where you go, okay, they might not marry. It could be from a a person is single because of circumstance. Maybe they were married and their spouse died. And maybe they just continued single from that point. Anna in the New Testament, Luke chapter 36, 37, she's 80 years old now. I guess she was married for about seven years. Boom. And she's lived as a single.
2: Which Paul actually encourages
0: her whole life. Okay, we're not there. We're getting there. We're mo- we're, we're running no, down. No, I it.
2: meant specifically for widows, though. He encourages widows not to remarry
0: unless they're busybodies. Unless,
2: well, unless they're
0: young, young and you know, flighty, and <clears throat> well, that's kind of what Paul gets at. You know, They're Anyway, um, biology, biologically, and this might get into the her. her- Hermaphrodites, the the children born with you don't know, you know, their genders just destroyed. You know, they they don't have the parts. Or they have
2: both.
0: Or either way, either way. Intersex, I
2: think.
0: Yeah, intersex, whatever, and they may be born sterile, or they may be through an injury a eunuch. Whatever. Um and so they may not simply incline to be married. Whoa. Is that okay? Yes. You know, this is flip over to First Corinthians chapter seven, and this is this is where in the church we have to rejoice. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 28. I'm in Romans, which is not helpful. 1 Corinthians 7, 28. Second half of the verse reads, if I can find it. um, Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And Paul says, I would spare you that. Okay, those who marry will have worldly troubles. And he says, I would spare you that. He goes on in verses 32 through 35 to state, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife and his interests are divided. It's the truth. He's not saying marriage is sinful. Oh, you're not spiritual enough because you're, you know, he even says elders, husbands of one wife. And his interests are divided and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband, how to raise her kids. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So singleness is a blessing. That does not mean that the single cannot pursue marriage. A single person can't pursue marriage. Um... There's a brother in the Lord, loved dearly. Man, he's a single man. He would love to be married. Just about every time I talk to him, his prayer request is, I really want to win. I really want to win. My heart breaks for him. You know, he wants to find a godly wife who will, you know, to commit to, and you know, he's gone. It never thought it'd be his heart. But at the same time that his heart pursues that, he is trying to pursue being the man God would have him to be here and now. So, you know, let us exhort and encourage our singles. We got three right here. Praise God for your hearts of service to the living God you know, even you who has a young lady there you are still single yep. <laughs> you know and we're going to talk about that when we get into the two shall be one flesh and where that whole one flesh thing takes place and what God's intention is for us and really okay I'll show the cards it's purity whether married or whether single it's purity Um, all right, back to Genesis chapter. Any any other thoughts, questions on singleness?
2: Um, I think I know what you're going to say because it's a totally different context. Please. Because I was just happening to read through 1 Corinthians this week. Please. Um, in chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11, and again, I totally know Paul is using this for a different purpose, but it was just weird. Head coverage. Verse 9. Uh, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And again, that made me really—I oh, have no purpose in life. <laughs> I'm serious. That was my first thought. That woman, and and I was like, and we're going through Genesis. Woman was created for me. I I know. He just wrote all about this. So it's
0: it's okay. speaking. That is that is speaking of. God's ordained hierarchy within, and I even hate to use the word hierarchy because we think higher, man, woman, man, woman, uh, there, as opposed to male and female side by side there. But the woman was created, she was, she was created for the man because the man was created first.
2: And I guess actually that's not actually saying husband and
1: yeah. wife. It cancels itself with the next verse
2: neither was man
0: created for woman but woman for man yeah woman for man yeah that doesn't cancel it that pretty much man says it Says it. not made for woman but
2: woman for man woman yeah man. Oh, neither was man created for that woman yeah. but woman for man so
0: to me that is yeah woman was created for man does it help me and we'll get to that <laughs> next chapter <laughs> alright that's why I have a cat let's move on Dominion is uh, reiterated. Behold, or he says at the end of verse 28, to fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, And the word to have dominion there is kibosh. Kibosh. I looked up the term, you know, put the kibosh on something. You know, put the kibosh, have dominion over it. That's not what it means, but I go, I'm thinking that's probably how it got started. Put the kibosh on to dominate there so anyway ultimately bring order to the earth tame it have stewardship and man we we discussed it last that was an, that was an exclamation not man um, that's a huge responsibility that stewardship uh, i'm going to throw this out here really just to finish it uh, the food that god gave to man god provides Verse 29, God says, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. Every tree with seed in the fruit, you shall have them for food. Man is a what?
2: Herbivore.
0: He is. He's a herbivore. He eats the plants. Fruit of the plants and the plants themselves he eats them how he was created and to every beast of the earth to which ones to every beast of the earth to which ones to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has the breath of life i have given every green plant for food and it was so what did that just say the animals are herbivores the animals were herbivores which ones? Uh, All of them. <laughs> ah, ah, you've seen lion's teeth.
1: Yeah. And the bears also have the same canines.
0: And You're the right. Jaggedness.
1: And so
0: do grizzly bears. <laughs> yeah. Get a good grip on them. So... You know, people will use that argument, panda bears, grizzly bears, omnivores as well. Is there a time when lions could have eaten? Right now, there's a word for the kind of carnivore that a lion is where it only eats meat. You know, rarely will it eat grass or something, but usually they say it's because it's sick. But that's, I mean, there was a time, according to God's word, where every living thing was an uh, herbivore.
2: I think point with the panda bears is they eat bamboo. They have the same kind of teeth, but they still are herbivores.
0: Absolutely. You know, if you were to find a fossilized panda bear, you go, oh, I was a carnivore. Nah. And God said... Here at the conclusion of his creation at the end of the sixth day, it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, very good. And there was evening, there was morning, and the sixth day. We are out of time. So may God bless the study of his word here, and as with Katrina this last week in our comings and goings uh, throughout our lives.